you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around the NFL Podcast. Blames TD for the Move the Sticks Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Ow! It's Thursday, T G I G. I mean T. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. What's up? What's up, everybody? Wes, back in the chair. Good to see you again, buddy. Good to be back. How are things going? How about a little Chris Wessling health update? Yeah. Maybe we'll have to cook up a sound drop for that. But for now, just the straight up Wes update. I am. I am really looking forward to your cancer drop. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> It's coming. I started uh, chemo and radiation this week. Radiation is 10 minutes a day every Monday through Friday. Chemo is once a week. I feel good. The medicines are, and the technology is so good now that they really – nausea is not much a factor. I think once they ramp up the treatments, I'll start to feel more more fatigue. But uh, they want me to exercise as much as possible. I'll be playing softball with the Shield tonight. And, uh, Very important. I feel good. I feel strong. Everything's going well. And the Paramore has been – by my side, taking notes, asking all the questions, recording all the doctors' meetings, been a big, been a big support system for me. Here comes the bride. <laughs> she, she's been an MVP. I mean, and you were, I mean, you were feeling good enough that you know you had the treatment on Tuesday. You were back in the office on a very slow OTA Wednesday yesterday. At one point, I think because of the news that was coming in, you were just like, I, I picked the right time of year to get cancer. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's nothing going on. <laughs> it's part of my new my new favorite genre. Wes makes jokes about cancer. <laughs> Once you're at yeah, I mean it, it sucks um I, I assume to be diagnosed with cancer. But the one positive of it is you could start just ramping out ramping up your cancer bits and you could say what you, whatever you want because you do, you have it. Well I like playing the cancer card. Cancer that's card. that's been fun for me, you know, get out of a few things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, cool. it's been all right. You were saying the radiation, the little 10-minute treatments, that sometimes you just sit back and relax and 
Yeah, I put my arms behind my head because uh, the radiation is going right into my chest, and they play a little Bob Marley for 10 minutes, and wow. I, I space out, and I'm out of there. You sent me. out a photo, and Greg had a good comment on Facebook, basically, that you underneath lineback getting the treatment underneath blankets looked more manly than most any of us would ever look. It just, you still somehow was, looked like a gigantic, amazing man. I was speaking for myself, essentially, there. I what? Checked out. Wait, so let me just, I'm going to picture this. So you're laying back, arms above your head, tucked behind, uh, right behind your ears. I like it. Ah! <laughs> All right. Appropriate time for that. Uh, so there's the West update, and he's, he's playing center field for the Shield today. We need to win two straight losses. Um, I, I took the wife to a Band of Horses concert last Thursday, and, uh, you know, I left Greg in charge, and, you know, a sloppy loss. Oh, what? Dots. <laughs> well, wow. First of all, that's not even accurate. Wes was our uh, acting manager, and Wes made a beautiful uh, – and a shoestring sliding catch out there in center field. Keep it's deflecting, his, Donald. Workout. Two but game. Lo- I, two you know, game losing I did my job. Though. I did everyone, my job. Two game losing streak. Everyone is involved. Twenty five guys. Twenty five cabs. I we got a we got a this. It was this time last year, by the way, that I tried I, to put it on me. I suspended David Ely uh, for skipping out of a game to watch Game One of the NBA Finals, which starts tonight. Uh, and I do have to say, if there is not a win. If we do not win tonight and we lose our third game in a row, there will be consequences Uh-oh. for people on the roster. I like it. Got to shake things up. I was four for four last week, Skip. Well, I'm going to be watching everyone very closely. <laughs> Put it that way. We do have a good luck charm today. Mama Wesley flying in from Cincinnati, Whoa. getting in just before game time. A little bit of pressure on you. Yeah, definitely. A little bit of pressure. When my dad came to a game a few weeks ago, and it was like my third is that. <laughs> And uh, I was, you know, focusing on the pitcher. And then all of a sudden I hear, come on, Danny, wrap it. <laughs> and I was, I was like thrown back to 1991 uh, as an 11-year-old in Little League. Uh, so maybe your mom will be drinking wine coolers and, you know, yenting up. Well, yeah, so. that's how I remember her at my games, drinking Bartles and James and, and <laughs> hanging out with the loud moms. Well, I'll be in the stands with her, so I'll make sure she has a drink in hand. If that's oh, very good. We got the uh, uh, erstwhile GM as well. So we're flying here. Uh, big show today. You know why it's a big show? We're bringing back the Dalton scale. Whoa. Whoa. The Dalton scale 2017 uh, in which we decide who is, Wes, what? Who is? Because I don't understand. Prime meridian of quarterbacks. If any Dalton is right in the middle, that means if your quarterback is ranked ahead of him, you've got a franchise quarterback. You're set. If your quarterback is ranked behind him, you need an answer. You need a solution. We do this every year. This is the third year we've done it. Um, Andy Dalton was the face of mediocrity or that that middle gray area uh, for, for many years. Last year, uh, we had collectively decided Alex Smith was the, the more fitting person there. So we'll figure out who is in that spot, that prime meridian spot, and then we'll figure out who's around that spot. Who's above, who's, who's below. Above, who's below. Who's a franchise quarterback? That's the question. That is the key, and that's what all teams are looking for. Uh, is a franchise quarterback. So all GMs will be tuned in very closely to this podcast, I'm sure. Also, we're going to do uh, some news, so we're going to have some fun. And uh, uh, before we get going, I want to say hi to Sully behind the glass. What's up, bud? Hi, fellas. How are you today? <laughs> Doing fellers. well. Fellers. Doing well. <laughs> what is uh, – you, you, you did a great job in the first show. Uh, Appreciate it. Taking over uh, in your Dan Campbell role for Sydney. And, uh, and now Dan Campbell won his first game, if you remember. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was all bro hugs and, um, you know, puffing out their chest and being all proud of themselves. And that Dolphins team then went in the tank, if you recall. Dan didn't come back. So you're looking to avoid that fate. Oh, certainly. Yeah, yeah. We want to keep those bro hugs going. You want why to be, why, why have we already Arians? drawn a yeah. parallel to Dan Campbell if that's what Dan Campbell did with the Dolphins between that coach and and Sully? That seems very ominous. That it's all downhill right. for Sully. I mean, here. Sully would Sully would do so well to be looking like Dan Campbell. I'm just saying. Sully, by the way, wearing more a, of a Joe Vitt, <laughs> wearing a podcast parka today, one that we all own, but yeah. ours are adorned with the Around the NFL logo. His. Move the sticks. I was only given one. <laughs> I was only given one quarter zip. It's a bit it of an one. allegiance issue that we're working through, but uh, I'm putting Sully's uh, professionalism above all, so I'm not yeah. concerned. I'm not going to be ignored, Dan. <laughs> Let's do some news. Man, find me later, man. Find me later, man. This means everything to me. It's Tack McKinley, of course, the star of the first round of the NFL draft uh, when he brought a picture, a frame poster of his uh, deceased grandmother uh, after being drafted at 26th overall by the Falcons made some more news today which I enjoyed uh, he posted on Instagram a video dancing and celebrating the fact that he just went from being dirt poor to a millionaire I like this guy I like this Tack McKeel hope he can play as much as he entertains uh, in his rookie campaign we'll see now let's talk some news and we'll start with a big trade. Oh, it's a trade, and it's the it's the most depressing kind of trade, a trade between the Jets and the Browns <laughs> um, as the two teams swap, um, you know, I don't know. What's a nice way to call these these two players, DeMario Davis and Calvin Pryor? Uh, underachiever. One is an underachiever, uh, Pryor, former first-round pick. DeMario Davis is kind of just a guy. At most. The linebacker. So you saw the rare one-for-one trade uh, with Calvin Pryor going to the Browns uh, and Demario Davis, who was a former Jet, coming back to New York. Uh, The Browns uh, later confirmed the trade agreement. And because Sashi Brown loves for people to know what Sashi Brown thinks about things. Oh, please. uh, There was a missive sent out. Sashi. By Mr. Brown. Calvin is a young, experienced safety that has upside. We are pleased to be able to add him to our defensive back room. And just like every player we acquire, we expect him to come in with a hard-working mindset ready to compete. DeMario is a guy that we develop the utmost respect for in his time with our team, not only as a professional, but also as a person. We appreciate all he did for our organization in his time in Cleveland. Sashi went to Harvard. I believe so. Sashi, it's safety who has upside, Ooh. not safety that has upside. I doubt he wrote it. I don't know. Sashi. Can I just say something? Uh, you know, Keep talking. Calvin Pryor is terrible. I, I'm just going to be honest with you. He's a bad player. And a it, year ago at this time, it should be pointed out, you were very high on him. Jets thought he was going to be very, very good. I just want to point that out. That's you, not true, we, by the way. We, we got into a little thing that you you said that you had some high you had high yes. hopes for Calvin Pryor. I also got uh, publicly roasted by Calvin Pryor on Twitter for <laughs> suggesting that he wasn't quite a right. superstar right. at that stage of the season. He had, he had a bad year, and then he had a promising year, and then he was – uh, the worst safety on a team with terrible safeties last year. You could check the check the tape. Uh, and I just want to make the point that some of the talking like, oh, the Browns are making another Patriots move, taking somebody's old first round pick. 
have fun with Calvin Pryor. Is who, all is, who is saying that? I, I read that in multiple places. Where? I mean, I, honestly, that I, to, I, I think this trade is exactly big, how we framed it. It's two, it's two teams struggling to build a roster. No one is praising the Browns for getting a safety that the Jets don't want, and no one's praising the Jets no. for getting a linebacker back that they didn't even try to re-sign. They were going to cut it's, Calvin it's a, it's a non-issue move. It's not a big deal. Both teams had a need at the position. The Browns need safeties. They'll give him a shot. Right. It's not guaranteed to make the roster. And also, if we're going to spend all this time on Sashi Brown, <laughs> and I'll I'll go work with I'll work Uh-oh. with Sully next time. But Mike McCagnan, who was a glory boy, by the way, I boy, want everyone to know that the eyes who are was out. a glory boy about a year ago has sunk this team into the ground. Oh. He is he has a lot more to answer for than Sashi Brown, who has helped accrue yes. massive amount of draft picks. An amazing that amazing one in fifteen season, Mark. Yes, he's doing amazing work right what? now. The, you can say that, but honestly, you I don't think the Browns down. have done a nice job. Let's calm down. You're turning this picks? into uh, like a Browns versus Jets. I was, I was certain. I was just pointing out that the Browns are getting a bum, and the Jets are getting a bum back as well. Well, West, there's, West there's, multiple came back for a fr- there's multiple ways to frame <laughs> it. But there you go. Doesn't Mark? Do, is there any chance that the Browns? Greg Williams sees Calvin Pryor as his new Mark Barron, where he'll he'll be playing that hybrid linebacker safety role. I saw I saw that also, but I don't see that being true until Calvin Pryor proves anything on the field. I just think it's a low-stakes trade. Right. They, they are very thin at linebacker now, but Davis didn't quite fit. They're very thin at safety. The best way I would categorize this trade is if it happened on the fifth day of free agency or the third day of the draft, it would have not made our podcast. It would have not been big enough news exactly. yeah. to make our podcast because those were busy times. Now, you know. What's well, also not so busy? Oh, it's Browns Jets too. So yeah, gonna, and and now I got. I'm not, not so, criticizing. On, it's it's what we Mark got here Sonar. on June first. I'm on Mark yeah. Sonar very early. Well, no, uh, continue on. <laughs> it's just like if you you put all this pre-production into selling the Browns down the river, the Jets are no pretty picture <laughs> either. I mean, like Mike McCagnan has a lot to answer for. What? I'm the guy. I'm coming for your corner, buddy. I'm a coming for you. I am the lowest guy in the totem pole now. I'm excited no, not. about it. Not yet. Because we're scamming for Sam, baby. You can't have that, too. So it's not like I'm saying, oh, Mike McCagney's got have it all that figured too. it out. Yes. I'm coming, baby. You can't have that, too. I'm not taking yet. it from you. Two you lousy have to franchises. Suffer, you have to suffer through it to get it. I'm coming, baby. Wes it's is, not going to just get handed to you, Dan, in May and June. Wes has never been happier with his decision to not root for an NFL team. It's like, who's, who's 31 and who's 32? <laughs> uh, moving on. All right. Listen, I should have seen that coming, but I didn't. And I apologize, Mark. My GM had a horrible year, too. Your GM is getting a lot of accolades. That's all. Right now. <laughs> you know what? I'm not, I have nothing else to say on the matter. Moving on. Matt Jones. Whoa, what a swift fall from Matt Jones. Uh, uh, the running back who was once seen as maybe the future guy uh, on the Redskins in the backfield. Uh, Mike Silver reported Thursday that Jones has been told by Coach Jay Gruden that Gruden that he is now the team's number five running back, um, motivating at least part of the man's decision to stay away from OTAs. Uh, let's see, who else is on that list of running backs? Rob Kelly. Uh, someone's going to help me with this one. Samashe Perrine? Samashe Perrine. Nice. Chris, might be their week one starter. Chris Thompson, Mac Brown, uh, and Keith Marshall. And speaking of Rob Kelly, known uh, by many as Fat Rob Kelly, 
Uh, he has done some work cutting his body fat from 18% to 13% this offseason. A nice little offseason trope there. Uh, and Kelly says he feels more explosive, faster, blah, blah, blah. Wes, Matt Jones, are you surprised how far he's fallen in this time? No, I'm not. I know Greg is, but I am not surprised. And I'm not surprised that Rob Kelly feels the need to lose some weight and uh, he feels Samaje Perrine on his on his back because the last six games of last season, Rob Kelly averaged less than 3.3 yards per carry. Their running game, which looked strong at midseason, faltered down the stretch. Well, Samaje Perrine is basically a more athletic version of Rob Kelly. Like when we did when I did that projected starter series, I put him as the starter just because I, I think they, they sent a message drafting him. I'm surprised about Matt Jones. Because it is worth mentioning, he averaged 4.6 yards per carry last year in 99 carries. He broke a lot of tackles. Uh, you know, he's averaged 14 yards per catch in his career. He's made plays. He's just fumbled a lot. He didn't fumble a lot last year, really, but he, he did in a couple key spots, twice in one game, and they never look back. I think it's a personal thing, and it's also a reminder that coaches lie through their teeth because Jay Gruden, the first time he didn't show up to OTAs, acted surprised, and the reporting since – and and other whispers I've heard are that that was a total fabrication that he had met with Jay Gruden before that, and they both knew exactly what was going to happen. And he got the you know idea that he basically wasn't part of the picture, and he decided, well, screw that, in, cut me. In other running back news, the awakening is awake once more. Let's call it Awakening 5.0. <laughs> Kristen Michael has signed with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Michael, who spent last season with the Seahawks. He finishes the team's leading rusher uh, and then a short stint with the Packers that didn't ultimately work out. Now he lands with the Colts. Wes, you wrote about this. Uh, you believe that if Kristen Michael is going to get a job on the first day of June, he, he landed in a pretty good spot. I think this was the best possible scenario for him, a backfield that desperately needs speed and playmaking ability with Frank Gore, who had basically fewer big plays than any starting running back in the NFL. Their backup running back, Robert Turbin, is one of the slowest backups in the NFL. They do have Marlon Mack, who's a rookie, but maybe they don't want to put all their marbles in that bank. So, Kristen Michael's going to get a chance, I think, to make this team and to have a pretty significant role. Marbles in the bank. We've been down this road 40 to 50 times at this point with Kristen Michael, and he's been in good situations before where they've given him prime opportunities to prove that he can be a week-to-week starter and it refuses to click anywhere. And it must be his ability. It must be stu- his ability to retain the playbook and other st- and other stuff as well. It's not just his athletic ability. Well, he missed mis- mental errors. He misreads holes at the line of scrimmage, and he's not an asset in the passing game. That said, it's on tape. In September and early October last year, he ran better than any Seattle running back. I Wes, you know, I I feel that you were an excellent writer and you did a very good job on this piece on NFL.com. But I will take issue with your final paragraph. After watching the Seahawks, Packers, Cowboys, and Redskins fail to unleash Michael's athletic explosiveness over the past few seasons, how about Kristen Michael? Accountability. He failed. Those teams didn't fail. They gave him a shot and he just can't seem to stick around anywhere. Well, part of the equation is coaching and development. So you think he has yet to find I think the right was, staff to, to bring it out of him at this point? I think he was ultimately scapegoated in Seattle last year. That any running back with that offensive line they had early in the season and Russell Wilson not a threat to run on a high ankle sprain, no running back was going to do well. He was scapegoated, and no running back really did better than him in Seattle the rest of the so, season. Something's going it, on, though. They didn't work with the Packers. and uh, I mean, he's got a shot here, but I'm surprised personally that Chris Ballard 
And I think he just had so much to do on his wish list this year. I think if he had all the draft picks and the money of the world, he would have done a more to upgrade the spot next to Gore. Because I, I think they like having Gore, but I think the less Gore for them, probably the more effective. I also don't know, particularly know if I trust Chuck Pagano's staff over that of the Seahawks or the Cowboys or the Packers. Uh, moving on. You know, I have to say this about offensive linemen, uh, NFL offensive linemen. If you had to pick who you wanted to be if you were an NFL player, maybe you wouldn't uh, pick those guys because they're kind of the grunts. They're the big dudes. They, I'm sure they do well with, with, the, with the ladies, but maybe it's, it's more fun to be a saucy quarterback or a running back or wide receiver. But I'll tell you what. You all right, Greg, by the way? What are you looking for, bud? Just picking something up. <laughs> Continue on. At the, least once a show, something like this happens. What's going on over there? Every, every show. Uh, but offensive linemen. Those guys have fun. I feel like if I wanted to uh, go out uh, for a day out or a night out, I'd probably go out with a lineman. And I bring this up because the uh, Tennessee Titans offensive line has started a tradition. I don't know how plugged in you guys are on the, the Stanley Cup Finals. Not very. Big Predators fan right here. The Preds, the Preds are in the, in the finals against the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. They're down 2-0. Things aren't looking good. But the Titans linemen have started a tradition where they all go to the game together. They wear matching jerseys. Um, they ho- hoist uh, fresh, fresh catfish in their bare hands and then slug giant beers and pour the beers down the, the gullets of the dead catfish. And the Hulk, they put, the, put them on the jumbotron and the crowd goes nuts. That's pretty fun. I mean, stupid. <laughs> I mean, it's the st- Mariota's there too. He's yeah, got Mar- the, the star right next to him. He's doing. Nice, uh, you'll notice he's very quarterback esque right. though in all these Facing videos. The he's standing there smiling, uh, and just because it was, it was so he doesn't down the beer. No, I have not seen him chug in any of the videos that I've seen. Uh, game three in Nashville on Saturday night. You know it's going to go off. And I had Taylor Luan, who uh, is a Pro Bowl tackle, of course, for Tennessee, and he's the ringleader all, of all this. Uh, he gave an interview uh, to the local Nashville station and talked about it a little bit. Let's hear it. Uh, I knew I wanted to get a catfish. I uh, started about two weeks before. I knew catfish was the thing. I didn't even know that until the, uh, the playoffs actually start. And um, we get there. I have my catfish. Me and the boys are talking. I'm like, I'm going to crank a beer after. Crank and I was like, no, 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 no. Why don't we all just drink a beer? Let's all crank a beer together. We're like, all right. So I'm, the plan was hold the catfish up, wait for the crowd to enjoy it, slam the catfish down, and then all of us cheers and just crank it. And uh, it was just good, old-fashioned fun. Is this a nod to noodling? Do you know what noodling is? I don't. In Tennessee... Sully probably knows what noodle. Yeah, you go, you go, and uh, you're you're looking for catfish in their abodes, and you're like, oh, you stick your, your hand, hand into in the water, in the you actual, stick your hand. The, the 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 like the muddy hut of a catfish underwater, and and grab yeah. it out with your hand. So, and you could people like lose fingers and stuff. There's, oh yeah, yeah, was like a, powerful. There was a show about this on some on Discovery basic cable History or Channel, yeah. Or something, yeah. So that's where this comes from. Uh, I think where where it comes from is they're kind of adapting the Detroit octopus, octopus, and throwing it on. Hockey's the ice. weird, man. Yeah. yeah, it is. Hockey's a weird thing. Tennessee and Tennessee and up the 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 Detroit tradition is what. Are you doing. plugged in on the NHL finals? On the Preds, yeah, yeah, with the Preds. Yeah, they're they're uh they've outplayed the the Penguins, and I think everybody would agree with me for mm. most of this series. But other than two Except five minute stretches, games, yeah, two minute five minute stretches where they just gave up a flurry of three and four. Has goals. anyone on this side of the glass watched ten minutes of the NHL finals? Hell no. no. I'm, tra- I'm tracking <laughs> it because Damashek's so plugged in with his Penguins. Uh, but I, I do like that Taylor Luan is all about cranking. Well, this is, it's, like good, it's good for Nashville that they're getting a taste of big-time sports action. 
uh, because listeners will remember since since our bosses won't send us uh, to the UK, we've said that they're going to send us to Nashville this year. The Around the NFL podcast on to Nashville. We're Something going there. Are we so, do it? so it's a little bit of an appetizer before we show up. Well, I don't believe they've signed off on that yet either, but no. Uh, let's uh, move on. I'm Rob Gronkowski, and welcome to my city. <laughs> oh, turn this up, Sully. I know you got your own ways. I know there's a place like home, but I know you're gonna like it in my city. Oh, yeah. You know when this song's cranking, what does it mean, Greg? Priyanka's back? <laughs> not, not quite. But we're going to talk some Thursday night football. And Priyanka's celebration music is necessary because Mike Tarico's going to be in the booth <laughs> on a full-time capacity. Sports Business Daily reported Wednesday that the NFL approved uh, NBC's request to allow – how silly that it ever came to this – to allow Tarico, <laughs> allow Tarico, the like borderline or arguably the best guy in the business at this, to be the play-by-play announcer for Thursday Night Football, taking uh, Al Michaels' place uh, alongside Chris Collinsworth. So Collinsworth stays on the Thursday-Sunday shift. Uh, Al Michaels is one and done as a Thursday-Sunday guy, which I think makes sense for everyone. Tarico, uh, from the time he jumped from uh, ESPN to NBC, made the most sense. Uh, for Thursday night, and now Al Michaels, who is in his early to mid-70s at this point, can go back to just focusing on one game a week. Uh, a win-win for everyone, and especially uh, for the Tarico fans like me out there uh, who now can guarantee to get Mike Thursday. Maybe the games will be crap, but the guy calling them won't be. How was the uh, Tarico fan Reddit board after this news? <laughs> oh, blew up. <laughs> It actually crashed. You're like the greebie of the uh, Reddit board. You're running the Reddit board. Yeah, we were – not a lot of us got sleep last night, put it that way, once the news came out. So Tariko will call Thursday Night Football. And finally – I love it. Yeah. I, that's it. Yeah, we are – That's what they I got think, him for. Yeah, you, we've all – You should be there for the next 25 years. I don't know if TNF should be, but it should be. Oh. Yeah, and I think uh, Al Michaels, we all love Al too, but, you know, you need to have a succession plan. By the way, saw Priyanka, if I'm not mistaken, in Baywatch. Went to see Baywatch during my vacation week. What? You, yep. you, know where, you know where that was filmed, right? Tybee. Baywatch was filmed on Tybee Island. That's why I went to see it. No, because I, I, I ripped through a bunch of movies, and it was the only one left. But wow. She played, if I'm not mistaken, I, I at one point I left for like 20 minutes and was walking <laughs> around the movie theater. But like, um, It's supposed to be a wretched film. It is I, awful, but it's I've, very enjoyable if you go in realizing this may be one of the top worst movie, top five worst movies you've ever seen, and it fit that bill. Mark is full of surprises, but <laughs> rarely have I been more surprised by anything coming out of his mouth than I went to see Baywatch. Our house was <laughs> under construction. I had to leave for like hours at a time, and I was doing a, a week long staycation. You know, so not judging, just surprised. Yeah, it, honest, honest uh, answer. How, how much did the hot babe factor? come into the decision to go to the Didn't hurt at all. Of course it helped me get in, get in there. But that I will say that alone does not – you could get that anywhere. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a, it's not a good reason to spend – I think I dropped $16 to get into the theater too. Wow. By the way, I've never – How, how was amazing. Priyanka in the movie? She plays some sort of villainess. She's like the antagonist in the film. Yeah. She? Wow. She's fine. It's like it, you've seen the same – you've seen the role 17, 18,000 times before. Kay Rich once upon a time teased the possibility that we could get Priyanka in studio. Uh, but that never happened. 
and and Priyanka then was one and done as the voice of Thursday Night. Yeah, we are the only people keeping the memory of that great <laughs> song alive, and I'm proud of that. You do love that song, Greg. Finally, uh, Des Bryant uh, at o- Cowboys OTAs uh, this week uh, was talking about driving fast because the Indy 500 winner, a lot of sports, a lot of different sports coming up today, uh, Takuma Sato uh, was at the practice. Greg, did I get that right? I know you have a Japanese wife. Wow. Uh, I, I believe so. I mean, it doesn't make me uh, an expert in all pronunciation. Uh, it sounds right to Takuma me. Takuma Sato. Yeah. I think I nailed it. Takuma. Anyway, Des Bryant was asked what's the fastest he's gone in a car uh, because he's a maniac. He said he went 180 miles per hour in his Bentley, got pulled over by the cops who uh, didn't even give him a ticket. We'd still be in jail if we got pulled over for going 180. I'm just curious for you guys because for me, I, I've never – I've never been that guy. You know, I, my car history is a Ford Escort into a Honda Accord into a, a, a Jetta. Uh, so I don't have uh, any high-octane sports cars in my past. So once I get – if I get onto the highway and I get into the – you know, I'm feeling good. There's no traffic. All of a sudden, I'm hitting 80, and then I'm, if I creep a little bit more, I could feel it, and then I, I wimp out. And that's 85, I'd say. 85, 90 is the highest I've ever gone. Highest – you have fastest you've ever driven in a car – be honest. The statute of limitations is up. 105. You got to triple digits. Once. Yeah. I mean, on a, this was in Kansas driving on, I believe, Route 70 from basically East Coast all the way to Denver, and there were no cars in either direction yeah. at all. And I, I got up there, and then I looked. I didn't intentionally do it. You look at the speedometer. I got, my God, get down. <laughs> Greg? I was right in that same area, similar story, driving with a friend from Massachusetts to L.A. back in about 2000, 2001. It went over 100, but I don't I don't remember, not much. Wes? I drove a Dodge Ram pickup truck for 10 years. Outside of that, I've had nothing but jalopies, and those cars, every single one of them would shake. Yeah, mine shake. <laughs> they it would was... shake when you'd get up to 85 or 90. I think I've probably topped 90 a couple Ooh. of times, but I've definitely never been in triple figures. Mine was like a 95 Sentra. I was a little surprised it could, could handle that. So you seem like a guy that maybe – I think I might have all you guys beat. What do you got? Does Brian beat. I, I don't know if we can what? count it, though. What? <laughs> I've done uh, 172. Is this not an On a, a racetrack? On a racetrack. Not a video game. NASCAR okay. experience. On a so race- it doesn't okay. really count. All right. Hey, but guys. it was awesome to drive on Talladega. It was, it was sweet. I Ooh, recommend that you. experience. Yeah. Uh, listen, everybody, let's save it for the White Bad Boys podcast. <laughs> Speaking of which, good job by uh, Mikhail Holm on Twitter, who actually took the time to collect all of the off-season podcasts that we've teased but never recorded. Uh, Some ones that stand out. Of course, the Theology Podcast, which is coming. Uh, It's coming. Uh, Let's see some ones that we liked. Uh, The Chris Wessling Dating Podcast. Uh... The West Needs Money podcast. I remember that era of the show where Wes was turning each episode into an airing of his financial grievances. I enjoyed that time. Kind of missed that. Yeah, Dan's Gullibility podcast is a good one. The oh, Fractured like, Skull podcast. The Is the Girl Worth It podcast. <laughs> That's the, a, the F8 Function podcast. I like the George Seifert podcast. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. we can do three hours on Seifert. I like, what about the Mark Freeballin podcast? <laughs> Not the case anymore. <laughs> I believe we've gone yep, over that the undies. Yeah, It's all over. The greatest moments of the Godsey era podcast. <laughs> George Godsey. So many, so many great options. Uh, that's what's happening in the news. Elevate your underwear game to the next level with ah. MeUndies. What is MeUndies? Ah. 
Just seriously soft, feel-good undies delivered right to your door. Ah. MeUndies are designed in L.A. and made from sustainably sourced money and modal, a fabric three times softer than cotton. MeUndies softer than soft. Luxundies come in an ever-changing selection of classic bold colors, bold shades, and adventurous patterns so you can tailor your undies to your own personal style. Maron. And guess what? Ah. What? You can save time and money each month with a monthly subscription. And if you're not ready for a subscription, that's okay. You can still save. That's because MeUndies is offering you 20% off your first pair. Just use our special URL, MeUndies.com slash NFL2017, and get 20% off your first pair. So go ahead, revamp your underwear drawer. You know why, Mark? Why? Because you deserve it. Thank you. Once again, that's MeUndies.com slash NFL2017. MeUndies.com slash NFL2017. Uh, Greg, you um, well pull back the curtain. You had a meeting about the individualized offer code. How'd that go? Yeah, I took the bullet for the team there. Sure did. We appreciate uh, it. Well, like many things in corporate culture, it is you know being considered. We'll see. The wheels of corporate justice are cranking, trying to get us that code. That's true. It's in process. Justice. Uh, <laughs> justice is slow. But it will be powerful. Uh, now it is time. Yes. I did tell them, you know, if they give us that code, they're going to be selling some underpants. <laughs> oh, yeah. But until then, meh. Maybe. That underpants, the underpants sales are going to go through the roof if you let us. It's in your hands. Anyway, now is the time. Yes, it's a annual tradition here at the Around the NFL podcast. The Dalton Scale 2017 edition. Huzzah! And, yes, huzzah indeed because – Everybody loves talking quarterbacks, and this conversation is special because I believe, and it's always you know it's always been a, a bit nebulous or nebulous um, to me, uh, but at the same time it's nebulous for a reason, uh, which is because it's a science that really breaks down who has the quarterback to take him to the promised land and who doesn't. Wes, again, a brief rundown how this came to be and where we're at now believe it started about four years ago, 2014, when we all realized that Andy Dalton was quarterback purgatory, that he could take you to the playoffs. He was a facilitator. He was only as good as his surrounding talent, but he didn't make teammates better, and the Bengals would lose their first playoff game every year. So we put Andy Dalton as the primary inning of quarterbacks. If your quarterback is ranked ahead of him, you have an answer. You've got your guy. You are set with a franchise quarterback. If your quarterback is ranked behind Danny Dalton, you need a quarterback. You don't have an answer. You're, th- you're running him out there every week, but you probably want to trade it for a guy or draft a guy. There you go. A, a great explainer And uh, in terms of the history of this podcast. So Dalton was that guy. Then Dalton had that big year, as we all know, in 2015 – Ended prematurely with a broken thumb, but he was one of the better passers in the AFC. So uh, collectively, it was decided it wouldn't be right to stick him at that spot. Maybe he'd moved up a little bit. And we all decided collectively that Alex Smith was the new prime meridian. And um, so I guess the good way to start here, and we'll start with you, Mark, is who should we install as that prime meridian figure? And then we could work our way both backwards and forwards around that figure and, uh, Mark, do you want to maybe make the case for Alex Smith remaining that man? I will make the case for Alex Smith because I, I don't know what has changed with Alex Smith over the last year to change my impression of him. Uh, as we mentioned on our NFL Network hit, the guy is 2-4 and four in the playoffs. He has proven over and over that he's good enough to get your team. He can, he can serviceably get your team to the playoffs. 
He's not going to shred that opportunity. He can get you there, but then it all starts to crumble. And Alex Smith, to me, is just... He's extremely milk toast, and the Chiefs the Chiefs have made it very clear that they have come to the conclusion that is exactly the same. They traded up to draft Patrick Mahomes that needs work, of course, but he offers a skill set that is a counter, complete counter to Alex Smith's, and they want to go in a different direction. And that, to me, tells you Alex Smith is out sooner than later in Kansas City. Yeah, I think you have to consider Alex Smith below the Dalton scale now. The Chiefs have told us. He's not a franchise quarterback. I agree. When when Aaron Rodgers fell to the Packers and they had Brett Favre, they took him because he was the best player on the board. The Chiefs gave away an extra first-round pick, traded way up to get Patrick <laughs> Mahomes, and that's a much different story. Right. Even if Smith is sort of right near the line, I think that move really says the Chiefs believe he's below the line. And when you start to do the numbers – and what we can talk about Andy Dalton. When you start to just line up all these players, in my mind it's unfair to have Dalton as the middle, but then you think about who are the guys you would rather have and the guys that you wouldn't. And you know what? It still works out pretty even. Uh, I did a list of who, who I would want as my quarterback moving forward, and Andy Dalton landed right smack in the middle of starting quarterbacks number 16. Now, he's better than the number 16 quarterback used to be. But the the quality of play at quarterback and their numbers are just at a different level that actually, like, it, you would rather have Marcus Mariota more than him, wouldn't you, Dan? Yeah, of Dak course. Prescott, Matthew Stafford, Jameis Woodson. I mean, those are the guys that are kind of in the 10 to 15 level. And then there's Dalton back right where he should be. It's back to the Dalton scale. <laughs> all right, a couple things. First of all, Greg, calm down a little bit. Um, although we do appreciate your enthusiasm. I think it's a little bit unfair. I thought Dalton got kind of hosed uh, by his own team last year, which did not do a nice job uh, building around him, letting two of uh, two contributors go. Tyler Eifert being hurt at the Pro Bowl did not help him at all. So I don't think like Ty- – I think Andy Dalton kind of elevated his game to the next level with MeUndies uh, <laughs> two years ago. And then ah! last year he kind of got – banged by his surroundings a little bit. Uh, and then this year, I expect him to kind of be close to that 2015 guy. So I think he's on the right side, in my opinion. I want to go back to Alex Smith one second here. Um, have you guys heard Patrick Mahomes yet? Oh, any- uh, yeah. I mean, just really diving into the playbook, getting up to speed on trying to catch up to where these guys are and uh, <laughs> really just going through the motions, learning from mistakes and getting better every rep. I don't know if it's if I'm that far away. It's just more about I just got to keep working, keep getting better. I mean, these veterans are guys who've been around the league, been in the league, and are, have been very successful. That, so in order to right, be Pat, like them, got you got to really Pat, we got it. go as hard as they do. Uh, does, does that change how you guys feel at all about Patrick? <laughs> I feel like I've had beers with him at Huckapoo's. I he, definitely know that voice from somewhere. How many Pro Bowl quarterbacks came out of Huckapoo's? <laughs> he's, um, he's definitely a man where you see him step to the podium, and when the voice that comes out of his mouth – comes out of his mouth. Like it's, it's surprising. It takes you aback. Doesn't match. So I I think Alex Smith is still Alex Smith. He's he's more Alex Smith than he's ever been. So I'm, I'm with Mark on this, and you guys are more in the camp of Dalton returning to his roots, which I can get behind. I don't want to uh, deadlock this thing because, it's frankly, it's easier to call the Dalton scale when Dalton's the guy in the middle. Well, I've never taken Dalton out of <laughs> Wes never bought this. I believe, no, I was listening to our podcast last year, and you did state that his performance last year changed your feeling on him a little bit. It did. 
I think I still ranked him 16th, though. <laughs> I would right, say, enough. how about if we called it, it's, it's at any point, if Andy Dalton left to become an accountant, we called it the Smith scale. It's the most boring last right. name, right at the most area where you cannot possibly be an exciting. Well, we thought about calling it the Tana scale, too. Right. Here, the problem with Alex Smith, first of all, he didn't play as well last year as he had the previous two or three years. I think he played at a lower level. And I've got him about 20th among uh, starters and that team that seems like too low to be the Dalton. They also then they go twelve. I know twelve and four is not necessarily all because of the quarterback, but you know he was the quarterback for a team that won the AFC West and you know yeah. But I, I think he I think he would admit he did not play as well personal individually as he did in 2015 or 2014. That's the same paradigm, though, as Dalton, where when he had a good team around him, they go to the playoffs, they right. go 11 and 5, 10 and 6, and he's not the reason alone that they were. He's not going to be the reason that why they're 6 and 10 I mean, to, to me, the one other real logical guy, and it's the guy I couldn't decide whether to rank Dalton over or below, is Kirk Cousins, who's basically East Coast Andy Dalton. And I think if you put Andy Dalton on the Redskins, he would put up numbers like Kirk Cousins. And I think you mentioned how Dalton kind of went up and down based on his surrounding cast, and I think that's the kind of quarterback okay. Cousins is. How about this for a compromise? I'm all down with putting Dalton right there, reinstalling him, as long as we're okay putting Alex Smith as the first guy on either side. No, I have Alex Smith. I think the trade the trade changes everything. Alex Smith is not a franchise quarterback. So to me, he's below guys like Joe Flacco. Whoa. I have Flacco below Dalton, but I could see an argument for either side because Flacco has not played well the past couple of years, but he's also his – like. Dalton, his surrounding talent has gone downhill. And as soon as you want to rank Dalton ahead of Flacco, you remember Flacco's postseason success. Well, you're going to have Eli at 33 on this list, and he is too. Right. Eli is one of the Eli, – Eli's postseason record is not nearly as good as people think it is. All right, I'm going <laughs> to – now, I will – okay. He's he's had two, uh, two Super Bowl runs, go. and every other playoff appearance, he's been terrible. Do you know? Do you understand what a Super Bowl run is to to go through the playoffs but, and go four and zero two separate years? But what, I do, years. but that doesn't render we, useless all other data involving Eli Manning well, in the playoffs. One thing we can agree on though is the Dalton scale is a snapshot in time. So Eli's had his time, and Wes and I, at least, I think, are in agreement that he is not where he was. He was significantly worse last year, and, I, and that's why it was not hard for me to rank him below Dalton here on the Dalton scale. I think they need another franchise quarterback. I think this is the year uh, that Eli, to me, enters that guy. I know he's been there for you guys earlier than this, coming off that bad year. What, what is How is he going to react to that with a better cast around him? Should, the Giants are good enough to win games in the playoffs this year, and if they don't, and Eli plays poorly again, I think he's on the wrong side of this. I think he's in that. I still think he's on the right side of this prime meridian, but now he's closer than ever to the middle for me. Anyway, I'd put him Fair. right next to um, Andy Dalton right now at this point in that area. That's where I have. Where do you got him? Mark? I'd put him higher too. I mean, you and, and I. I think there's two of us in this room that are probably or more on the Manning side of things, but you have Eli Manning one spot above Jared Goff. I found the, your, your placement of Jared Goff at 24, one spot above Tyrod Taylor. for that, Wes. Well, no, I, I, and, and maybe you're, you're thinking that we didn't get a full picture of him last year. And I also look at Carson Wentz, who, you know, he has his faults too, but he's two spots below Andy Dalton. Where I get caught up is that if I were to create my own team, I would quickly take a shot on Carson Wentz as my quarterback over Andy Dalton or not. I you know, wouldn't go much higher on this list, but he would be above the Andy Dalton scale for me based on the potential. Well, I, I believe that for three years running, 
that same logic killed us with Blake Bortles. You're right. At the same time, I, I just it's, I, it's I don't tough you to, car, you, if you car. Until Carson bo- Wentz fixes his obvious mechanical flaws, I cannot put him above Andy Dalton. It, and it is a snapshot in time. But if the definition is that anyone under under below Andy Dalton, that GM, that team needs to go and find a quarterback. It gets tricky with someone like Carson Wentz yes. when they sold so many draft picks to go get Wentz. If there's it, any flaw in the Dalton scale, it is those young ascending quarterbacks that you haven't seen do it yet. Because you're right, I had Wentz below it too, but he he is he's not a guy that you're looking to draft another player. But he's also not a franchise quarterback yet. He hasn't proven yet. I think I don't think we've seen yet that he's going to be. He was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL from mid October through the end of the. You're right, and we also ask too much. It's I think we all have learned that we don't want to define what a quarterback is after one year. We did that with Derek Carr in some cases. We did that with Blake Bortles. We've all been on the wrong side of the fence with some of this stuff. And some of these guys are just you, – you have, Or even after two or three years. Right. I mean, literally right. a year ago, I did that, the QB index, the year-end rankings. I went back and looked. I had Blake Bortles ahead of Matt Ryan that year after his good year. I think I had him 14th and Ryan 15th. So a year ago at this time, Bortles, I think, would have been above it, and uh, that was a misfire. I think that – see, you called it a flaw potentially, Greg. I, I see it as it makes sense that they should be lower on the list until they, they prove that they should yeah. be above that threshold. So uh, – Hypothetically, a guy like Carson Wentz, who, Wes, you have him at 18 here, even despite some of his struggles in the back half of that season, he showed a lot of growth to get into this neighborhood now, and now we'll see if he takes the next step to get over the hump at 16, and then you, and the Eagles, you're feeling great because after year two, you, you have a franchise quarterback for sure. But we're not sure yet. See, him being no. there says we're not sure yet, but – it's promising because he's 18. See, it all checks it would be, out. It would be wrong to say you're sure, so I get why he's below Dalton. So to answer your Jared Goff question, he gets a mulligan for last year. We don't know who he is. He had one of the worst offensive coaching staffs we've seen in a long time with no quarterback guru on the staff, uh, soft offensive line, no running game, bad receivers. I-, I said all year, Dan, if you remember, he wasn't ready to play. They shouldn't play him. Yep. He was terrible as a rookie, but I think he gets a mulligan. So I ranked him right above all the guys who nobody wants. That Tyrod Taylor, nobody wanted him because he has limitations. Yeah, but that's that's assuming they know what that that they're doing. I mean, the NFL misevaluates quarterbacks all the time, as we do. That's why players get drafted in bad spots. I don't I don't get caught up too much. I have Taylor way ahead of Goff, but it doesn't matter. They're not that close, really, to the Dalton scale. The, the one thing with Goff, though, that gets me is, like, we're, we're kind of moving the goalposts here for a number one overall pick. Like, I, I agree he should be given uh, mostly a pass for his rookie season, considering everything around him. But he's also the number one pick in the draft. And we weren't, we weren't just hoping that Cam Newton would be passable in his second year. Like, if he is just passable, if he's okay, everyone's going to feel great about Jared Goff. That's not how he felt about Andrew Luck. Th- That's not how he felt about Marcus Mariota, who had no weapons around him as a rookie. Like, this is a guy you should be able to improve some of your teammates a little bit. Different types of level. prospects, though. Just yeah. because you're a number one pick doesn't mean you're the same Cam Newton was not the same as Andrew Luck and who's not the same as Jared Goff. Some of this is the f- failure of the draft industrial complex that Jared sure. Goff even went number one in the first place. Yeah, and I am, I, I am fundamentally concerned about someone, and I, this is not a football issue. You don't know what side of the sky the sun rises. There is something happening with you as a person. I would never <laughs> put that person this high on any list. So you're putting that hard knocks uh, stumble 
as a major disqualifier potentially. It's it's much more drastic than uh, Tannehill not knowing the divisions and how all the divisions lay out, which was also concerning to me, but that's more of we're all plugged into that. He's maybe not, maybe that is something about his focus. How focused are you on life if you don't know where the sun rises I will, at age 20-something? I will counter. <laughs> if you went through the Hall of Fame quarterbacks, the living Hall of Fame quarterbacks, you might be surprised how many of those quarterbacks <laughs> don't know where the sun rises. At the end of their lives, yes. What are you saying about quarterbacks? <laughs> I'm saying at their respective. I mean, primes. have you ever have you ever mowed the lawn? Have you ever walked through a park? You can't tell where the sun is setting or rising. What? That gets Mark. That you gets have me. like you tell time by a sundial. You're really plugged in on this. I thing. mean, I if 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 I have any friends that do not know where the sun rises and sets, I don't think that I'd have to sit down and think about the friendship. All right, Wes. By the way, on your list, you have Carson Palmer at 20. And you know this Eli stuff sticks in my craw. Carson Palmer is a noted uh, playoff choke artist and a guy that really stumbled in his age 38 season. And there's a lot of reason to think that he is not nearly the guy he was three years ago. Uh, You have him considerably higher than Eli. Um, Why is that? Well, he's, what, a year and a half removed from finishing second in the MVP race? He played really well down the stretch last year as Eli Manning was uh, face-planting and ruining the Giants' season. Carson Palmer is a better quarterback than Eli Manning. That's why I have him higher. But he, but he is below the Dalton line, which I think makes sense because I think you saw last year he's going up and down with what's happening around him. If he does not have protection, he is not someone who's going to survive, which is true of a lot of quarterbacks, but he is a guy that you, you no longer feel is the guy that they need well, to get another. The only reason I have him below Dalton is because he has flirted with retirement. And he's year-to-year at this point, so you can't consider him a franchise quarterback. And there was a lot of heat around the fact that the Cardinals also were very interested in Patrick Mahomes. I had a, I have him as the quarterback directly below the Dalton scale. That's where I have Carson? Carson Palmer. Yeah, but he's the hmm. first one that gets cut. So you – okay, So and Wes has Kirk Cousins uh, – excuse me, not Kirk Cousins, Joe Flacco in that same spot. I have Palmer, then Flacco, yeah. Uh, Mark, who would you put as the first guy kind of below Andy Dalton? Although you think it's Alex Smith. So yeah, I think I would I, I would flip-flop Dalton. I would maybe put yeah. Dalton below Alex Smith. I would be the, That would be the same place I would go with it. Well, you guys think Alex Smith is a better player than Dalton. Is that what you're saying? No, I think I think Dalton – well, let me put it kind of like the same thing, I guess. That's the I thing. To me, the they, better really? be, they better be touching each other, and I put Kirk Cousins above both of them. I think Dalton can be uh, considerably better. And, yeah, Cousins was the one I was going to ask you guys how you're feeling about old Kirky these days because to me and him and Dalton are the same guy. Alex Smith, to me, is is a tier – is pretty significantly below that. And those two guys are, are to me, the whole – they are this exercise. They are that. I feel like if you have – you should have, if, you're, if your list is making sense, it makes sense for Kirk Cousins to be in that 14 to 18 area. Yeah. I feel like, you know, he's yep. – and this is a big year for him. And the only thing you could say about it, it's been a very weird contract uh, situation the way it's played out in, in D.C. with Kirk Cousins. But if the Redskins, for instance, were all about the Dalton scale, this is exactly how you would want to play it, kind of taking this thing year by year and try to figure out who this guy is. Uh, and they now they get another year to – Kind of well, it seems it like that's exactly how they're playing it, and, yeah. and maybe to their credit, unless it blows up in their face. They, I think they, they share that view, or else they would have acted differently over the last few years. They seem pretty willing to roll the dice and, and walk, watch him walk away or possibly even trade him away a year from now.
Well, I think Jay Gruden sees him as his Andy Dalton. Yeah. And if Jay Gruden was running that front office, he'd be signed already. But he's not running that front office. How about Dak Prescott, just fourth-round rookie, jumping right over the Dalton Dalton line, unlike most rookies, right in his first season. He deserves it, right? I agree. I mean, I agree. Everything that he did last year. How about it? But it does, again, it's more like a football thing rather than a flaw on this list. It, It shows you how much having an amazing supporting cast can make a quarterback look better or perform better. If Dak Prescott switched places with Carson Wentz, I'm not saying Wentz would have performed as well, but I don't think Dak Prescott is on the right side of this yet. But the Cowboys, just like the Chiefs in reverse, the Cowboys told you what they thought by letting Tony Romo drift off. Exactly. And I I think Dak, like, for instance, Jared Goff, you know, we're giving him a pass. I think we saw enough out of Jared Goff to say if he had been put in that situation in Dallas, things would not have gone as well as they went with Dak Prescott. I mean, you can still make evaluations on whether guys are processing things. Because he's not accurate because he he really... I'm sorry, I misunderstood. Did you say Tony Romo? No, I was saying Goff. Oh, Goff, sorry. If it was somehow in Dallas, then then it wouldn't work out. Okay. Sorry, Greg. I just misunderstood you for a second. (laughs) I thought you said something else, and I was going to take him to task on this. And then I said, wait a second. Did I hear him right? And turns out I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for taking us through your thought process. All right, in the bottom 10, Mark, do you have a 32? Did you do a 32 too, or am I just going off west? And, uh, uh, I right. did not produce one. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. So Probably to the viewer's delight. <laughs> Greg, <laughs> this is on TV. Uh, <laughs> Greg and Wes, in your respective bottom 10s, uh, who's the guy that would surprise you the least to jump onto the right side of the prime meridian here? Ooh. In 2018. Uh, it's between Trevor Simeon and Blake Bortles. If Bortles could ever fix his mechanics, and I am no longer holding out hope. You have 26 and 27, those two guys, Bortles and Simeon in that order. Yeah, I am not holding out hope for Bortles anymore. I have given up the ghost, but he has the tools if he can ever fix his mechanics. Trevor Simeon, I liked almost everything I saw out of him last year. I just don't know if he's talented enough. We'll see. Barely sneaking into my bottom ten there was uh, Sam Bradford, and it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me with some improved protection uh, that he puts together. If he puts together the quality of play that he did a year ago again, then to me he's he's kind of proven that he is a reliable middle tier but solid franchise quarterback. The only reason I still had him so low is that it was the best season of his career. And he's been in the NFL a long time. He's played a long time. So I want to see him. I want to see him do it again. He outplayed Andy Dalton with, uh, you know, Dalton had a bad offensive line. Sam Bradford had one of the worst offensive lines I've ever seen. I think that's fair. But you have you have Bradford below your Dalton scale as well. I do. Right? I have him 19th, and he would be higher if not for his injury history. Makes sense. I feel like Sam Bradford is exactly where he should be, the place he always <laughs> yeah. was and always will be, like right around 20 on this list. Dan's never bought into the Bradford renaissance. Uh, well, he was he was very good last year, but still at the end of the day, what was he? He was a quarterback uh, that lorded over a deeply mediocre team. It wasn't all his fault, obviously, but is he ever going to be a guy that you're going to build a franchise around at this stage if it hasn't happened yet? Eh. Still pretty young. Uh, I mean, I mean guys like thirty at this point. Yeah, I got you. But guys like Rich Gannon, we we've seen quarterbacks as you they think get he older. Have a has couple, that in him potentially? Trent uh, Green, 
that, yeah, that if he got in the perfect, it, it is tough quarterback to take to separate him from the team. But if he got a perfect situation like a Trent Green, like a Rich Gannon, could he make right. that sort of development late in his career? Maybe. Forget sandwiches. I will. Uh, you could sign over your car payments and your monthly rentals uh, at your home in Santa Monica if Sam Bradford ever wins the MVP and or takes his team to the Super Bowl. But take him up on that. Yeah, okay. What do I give up? Uh, What's the no, counter? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. I mean, MVP, MVP ain't happening. Going to the Super Bowl, I mean, some bad quarterbacks have made it to the Super Bowl. Rex Grossman made it to the Super Bowl. I, I, Daddy likes that one. <laughs> you never know. I mean, that, that Vikings that's, front seven, who knows? That's possible. Yeah, that's possible. Good luck. Good luck. Can you imagine, Dan, up. if you had to go home one night and explain to your wife, <laughs> yeah, and at that point your children, who would be would be aware of this, that you have taken on a financial burden that will sink your household for a thousand. Even is, better, what if what if the Vikings start making a run? Right. This is this is <laughs> like, on, they're making the playoffs. This is recorded. Know? Yeah, it's fine. And you pick the wrong like you know if you did this with Wes or Mark, they'd be like, ah ha ha, you can take me out for some jinx now. I want that. Right. Oh, I, I want know. that rent money. I, well, that's happening. I know this it's on the record. Payments. I know this. Uh, you know, scratches an itch for you, Greg. So uh, I have no problem with it. And now, I will say, if it ever did happen, if you turned out to be the the subject of a, a Dateline episode, don't be surprised. If I had to make the problem go away, you know. What, I'm <laughs> what does that even mean? That means you would be. You'd be the subject, but you wouldn't be watching it because you'd be deep below the earth. Yeah, put it this way. You wouldn't be interviewed, but you would be one of I the I got nothing to hide. Guys. Well, he wants to hide something. It would be you. I'd kill you, Greg. I'd murder <laughs> you if I had to. If you stood between, between me and taking care uh, of my family, I'd have to probably kill you. I thought you were trying to entrap me in some sort of... Uh, no, but that's a good like, idea, too. That's, I could entrap you. Well, you, you've already hatched the plan... <laughs> On a public podcast, yeah. so you've entrapped so we, we yourself. Should, we should edit this part out, <laughs> just in case I need to unfurl some type of scheme. Right, right. Yeah. Cut it out. Where would you guys put uh, Ryan? Do you guys think that Ryan Tannehill? I, I feel like I'm speaking to the wrong room for this, but I think it, if we were talking to a lot of NFL people, there would be some that would make the case for Ryan Tannehill to no. be above the Dalton scale at this. No. Point. Oh, why, why do you do this every offseason? Uh, all the Dolphins fans are starting to get riled up. Everybody calm down. Let's hear out Wes. No, every offseason people want to act like Ryan Tannehill is much better than he is. He played the- better last year. I think that's fair to say. The The end stretch with Gase was the best stretch of his career, I think. His last six, seven games last year before he got hurt. I'm not big on closing season stretches. Then he got hurt. Wildly played up in the uh, upcoming season. Oh, I, re- a I, re- lot. I remember Jamarcus Russell's wild closing stretch, and everybody was convinced. <laughs> How about was- the, the Geno Smith closing stretch that had Greg doing cartwheels Well, he hasn't played years. since. Well, a lot, of, wheel- still no, doing a lot of weird stuff is happening at the end of any NFL season, too. But I think here's... What, that was Tana- mid-season. He just got hurt in week 14 or whatever it was. I guess I think it's, it's a snapshot of Tannehill. He'd be higher than he would have been maybe in other periods in his career, but if it's if you're thinking about Tannehill, the overall product, I think he's right where he should be. I, I have him 19th, and I think he is among the guys below the Dalton scale for me, like Flacco, that would have a good chance to jump above because I think... But you say that every year. But I this is the first time he's had a, a competent coordinator for the second straight year. He's certainly got better talent uh, around him. If he doesn't do it now, there are no excuses. But I think you can look at Mike Sherman and Joe Philbin and and what's been going on with the offensive line and and make some excuses for it. I think that's what we – when Andy Dalton 
took the team to 8-0 or whatever, and he was playing at an MVP level. It was in a world where everything around him was perfect for the most part, and we got the prime version of Andy Dalton, a version that I think would have argued for him not to be in this spot again if that play had continued ever again, not close to it. But if you look at Tannehill, we're projecting that. He has to do it. We can't just say everything needs to be perfect around Tannehill, then he'll rise above Dalton. It's no coincidence that this sequence that Greg is talking about also, Cohen, it is also when they started to run their offense through Jay Ajayi. Yep. But he ran, he, one thing Tannehill did last year, and he should be given credit because he got picked on a lot for it, was he threw the ball deep well, period. And that was one of maybe the biggest weakness that he had. Ended up averaging 7.7 yards per attempt. Like, Can you do he, it again? Yeah, he showed some progress. That's all I'm saying. He's been around for a while. I can't, I I, like I can't seen... keep track of Greg's Tannehill love scale. It seems to come and go. <laughs> It, it sometimes it's stronger than others. I I remember it was very very strong entering uh, that Dan Campbell season. I I'd sort of lost faded. hope going into last year. Yeah. Now, now I'm and now you're back. it's getting back. Yeah. The love's you regretted back. bailing on him. Yeah, a little bit. Mm. Well, it's not too late. It's not too late. Uh, I think he's he's perfect right where he is hanging out around Sam Bradford. But we'll see. Maybe he does make the leap uh, for good for you, Greg. Which would be bad news for your football team, but you don't really care anymore. I care if you know I, if Ryan Tannehill gets in the way of them in the playoffs or anything like that. That crush him like a grape. I mean, all credit to him. I'm not expecting that to happen. <laughs> um, anything else we want to discuss? We, I guess we, because I like I like to come out of this with us all being on the same page. But there's no reason to force it either. Uh, but where some of us believe Alex Smith is, some of us believe uh, that Andy Dalton is the prime meridian. Uh, but in general, I think the bigger takeaway is who is in that realm and who's going who's gonna to fall back, who's going to jump over. And that's what we've really dug in on here. And I, I think we haven't talked a lot about the guys that are above the line because it feels like this year more than others that they're kind of no-doubters. Like Stafford is a no-doubter now. Cam, of course, is a no-doubter. I think Mariota and Winston at this point are, are no-doubters. All right, yeah, let's do this. Uh, earlier we, we looked at the bottom 10. Who in your boys' top 10 quarterbacks uh, stands the greatest chance to drop below uh, the Dalton line in 2018? Ooh, this was where it could get a little testy. Well, I have Stafford and Newton 9 and 10. I'd say they're the most likely. Stafford, I mean, he's in an offense where they throw quick, short passes. Does that really use his skill set the most? I don't know. And Newton had one of the least accurate stretches we've seen down the stretch last year. He was playing through a shoulder injury, but I don't know. I think we'll see what Cam Newton does this year. Yeah, Cam would be my choice, and I – I love Cam. I love watching him. I don't think it's going to happen yet. They want to change the offense. He's coming off a shoulder surgery, and you look at the last his last three seasons, I think it's universally agreed, not a top-10 quarterback in 2014. MVP in 2015, not a top-10 quarterback in 2016. That is a, that's a crazy what career thing. Yeah. So, so could he – if he struggled again, if he had another bad season, is that going to change the way we think about Newton? Yeah, you know, I guess it, I guess it would because that I, would be I would, three out of four years. I would go with Stafford and Newton because I think they'll both be leapfrogged by Mariota and Winston. And and honestly, 
I could see Philip Rivers getting back up into the top ten with with that. With Not that top team. ten. I'm talking that will drop out of the top. Well, ten that would that be would, on the I'm top. I'm saying 16. that would just that would displace them to go out of the sixteen. Stafford yeah. for me. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Huh. Just because obviously he's had great moments all throughout his career, but could I see him regressing a little bit? Has he has he peaked as a player? It's, it's possible. Uh, I I got a bad taste in my mouth too. That that playoff loss to the Seahawks. I feel like I'm, I'm kind of sick of Matt Stafford after that game. I, I'm sick of the whole Matt Stafford. Also, I really was impressed by the way he played. I think he played in a way that convinced me that he's going to have a really nice back end of his career. That he kind of was is a very steady. He he was not their problem. He's the one. Of course, not. I don't la- think he's last the problem. Year. But I think in the past he's been very up and down. Last year he was not up and down to me. It's just a, a, looking at Wes's top ten over here. I don't see like a total phony hanging out in there. No. that's it's an, an automatic no. to drop. It's tough. I think when you when you look at the breadth of Matthew Stafford's career, the one thing that jumps out is his total inability to beat good teams. Yeah. That's and that's a trait of I think that's a trait of the Dalton scale esque issues is that for me that's part of it. And Stafford has been there and he's been this physically gifted player the whole time. And yet how many huge wins do you remember? And and finally, just a little cute note here. My favorite little rivalry between my boys. Uh Wes has uh Marcus Win- Mar- Mariota one spot ahead of Jameis Winston. <laughs> And Greg has Jameis Winston one spot ahead of Marcus Mariota. You guys are so cute. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't waffle on that one at all. Mariota clearly the choice. To- <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like you have them too too uh, too far apart there. That is funny. We didn't see our lists obviously separate. All right, there you go. That is uh, our Dalton scale conversation for 2017. Finally, a little bit of uh, breaking news here, and and to do that, yes, we're going to the Ravens' nest. <laughs> Hit me again. <laughs> Not good news. Uh, Ravens cornerback Tavon Young suffered a torn ACL at OTAs. Uh, expected to uh, miss most of or uh, if not the entire 2017 season. Uh, was a nice player in the slot for them as a rookie. Uh, no official word out yet. But tough times in the Ravens' nest today. I, I really was impressed by him as a rookie. He was such a tough player, but they are about as deep at cornerback as, as any team in football, which is surprising to say about the, the Ravens. They have Jimmy Smith, their first-round pick, Marlon Humphrey, and Brandon Carr still. Three pretty solid cornerbacks. So if if they were going to take a, a bad injury at a position, I guess cornerback would be the one to do it. You guys ready to hop out of the nest? <laughs> it's a rare, oh, rare, yeah. rare late visit to the nest. Sometimes you're in, sometimes you're out. It's time to hop out of that nest. All right. It's time to end the Around the NFL podcast. We've got a big softball game to prepare for. No more work. Only focus on an important game. And I, I will say it again. I say this with peace and love. Heads will roll <laughs> if we do not prevail tonight. <laughs> the pressure is on. How many jobs are on the line in this game? I don't want to put a number on it because I don't want people. Listen, I want people looking over their shoulders uh, during this game. But I don't want them to be in an outright panic where they're they're counting numbers and saying, looking at the box score, who's doing better? Do I have to stay above this guy? But just know, Skip's watching very closely. Half the, three, half, you're out. Half the team is in Europe. I mean, <laughs> how are you going to contact one of these vacationers if it's them that gets axed? Uh, we should have close to a full squad today, actually. One one thing you should like, uh, or not like, but at least take comfort in, uh, the uh, the arc of the team 
it's somewhat similar. It's even early in the process to last year's team, right? You guys had some ups and downs. You were saying you were seven and seven at one point. Each, uh, with all due respect, Greg, each season is its own thing. So I'm not going to say, oh, just because right. we sucked it up for a portion of the regular season last year, it's okay that's happening this year. No, I expect more from this team this year coming sure. off our season. And I haven't liked what I've seen the last couple of weeks. Some of the uh, some of the playing and, and some of the attitudes, uh, quite frankly. <laughs> Uh, and, and if I have to make a move, I have to make a move. So well, I, I don't want to get on your radar, but what if someone raises the issue that yeah. you were not at the last game? <laughs> well, I put family above softball. All right. This I isn't about – everyone can miss a game here and there. Okay. That's fine. That's not the issue. It's and the it's attitude. Not, it's when you're on the field, what are you doing for me? In fact, mm. me missing a game shouldn't be the end of the world because we have a lot of guys. My problem is I got a lot of guys – but do I got a lot of guys that can play? And I'm going to make some decisions based on what I see today. I have taken copious scattering reports the last few weeks, and I am ready to contribute to this discussion in uh, any way you need. Wes, you know, as my Don wow. Zimmer, as my consigliere, we always uh, discuss any huge moves, uh, and that will happen again. Uh, so good luck, Greg, in today's game. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <Good> break. <laughs> no, Greg, you've done very well this season. I just want to make that clear. Uh, but it's more I'm watching the entire team. Okay. <laughs> That's it. Uh, we'll be back. I mean, I'm out here sacrificing for this team. I see a uh, gnarly, bloody picture of your oh, yeah. leg, Greg. Greg's earned his keep. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday with another episode of the Around the NFL podcast. Dan Hans is signing off for the Sizzler, the mailman, the boss, and Sully behind the glass till Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.